Welcome to Stageworthy. I'm Phil Rickaby, the host of this podcast. Stageworthy is a podcast about creativity and the performing arts. If you enjoy the show, please rate it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, you can also leave a review. Reviews and ratings help new people to find the show. And if you want to keep up with what's going on with Stageworthy and my other projects, you can subscribe to my newsletter at philrickaby.com slash subscribe. If you want to leave a tip for the show, you can drop some change in the virtual tip jar. I will put a link to that in the show notes. I also have a Patreon in support of the show. Stageworthy is a one-person operation, so not only do I arrange the guests, I also edit the show, promote it, and I even created the music. I also shoulder all of the financial responsibilities for keeping the show going, so your support would mean the world. For a monthly subscription of just $5, I will take you behind the scenes on the podcast, do regular Q&A sessions, and even present regular interactive conversations for subscribers. You can find the Patreon at patreon.com slash stageworthypod. Remember, you can find Stageworthy on Twitter and Instagram at stageworthypod, and you can find the website with the archive of all the episodes at stageworthypodcast.com. And if you want to drop me a line, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Phil Rickaby. And as I mentioned, my website is philrickaby.com. My guest this week is the legendary Bruce Dow. Bruce has been seen on stages in Canada and the U.S. from the Stratford Festival to Broadway, from stage to film to TV. In addition to being an actor, Bruce is a director, coach, as well as a composer, lyricist, and librettist. Here's our conversation. Where, where are you currently? <laughs> Emotionally or physically? Well, um, let's go with uh, physically. Let's go with physically. physically. Okay. Geographically, I am in the north end of Toronto or the south okay. end of North York. So okay. um, I'm in the greater Toronto area and uh, yeah, have been for a while. I figured it's a good idea to to, to check because you you do you do work in many places. Have you been in the Greater Toronto area through most of the pandemic, or have you been hopping around? Basically, um, I was in New York. We were ten days from opening Diana the Musical on Broadway, and we shut down and thought it was going to be like two weeks break. Um, and I came back to Toronto to stay with my then best friend roommates. We're still best friends, but um, we're no longer roommates. Um, and, uh, so I have sort of been in the GTA for most of that, except for when we flew to New York to do the, um, uh, they put us in a giant COVID bubble to do the recording of Diana and to shoot mm -hmm. the show for Netflix. So, right. uh, but basically Toronto, um, yeah, I'm a bit of an introvert naturally. <laughs> I'm extroverted on stage, but as a person introvert, so I've just been very happy to hide at home for this whole I have, thing. I have a whole episode where I got a bunch of introverted actors together to to talk about some stuff. So that's coming oh, man, up in a cool. couple of weeks. But um that so you were working on Diana on Broadway and, and yeah. expecting to open when everything happened. Yeah. And of course, I remember thinking, ah, two weeks, it's not going to be long. And then, you know, here we are. I was thinking that too, but I also remember when we had the SARS 
situation in Toronto and Toronto shut down for two weeks, Mm -hmm. but it took two years for Toronto theaters to recover from that two week shutdown. Yeah. Um, so I sort of was going, uh, if this isn't two weeks, then we could be into site, but I had, I mean, who had any idea it would be this? You you read about Shakespeare and the theaters closing down for the play, mm. but you don't imagine it as a real thing that will happen in your lifetime. No, you don't. And, and and it becomes a thing where, you know, I remember like maybe a month into the pandemic seeing posts from people who are theater people being like, well, that's it. Theater's over. This is it forever. Online forever. And I was like, we've theaters survived this kind of thing before. Totally. Totally. And and, I mean, my my parents weren't born for the Spanish flu, which was 1912, I think, Mm -hmm. somewhere around then. Um, They came along in the 20s, but um, but they had the record of it. It, This is nothing new. Mm -hmm. I mean, we all this is a I mean, it's catastrophic. Yes, we can't deny that. And I think recovery will be much longer than anyone wants to think it will be. but this is nothing new. Yeah. There is nothing new under the sun ever. You know? Yeah. 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 I think the 1918 flu, I mean, a lot of people were sort of like revisiting it at the beginning think, of yeah. the pandemic because it's one of those things that we, we don't, it's not it's sort of like lost to record because it was like not on the front pages of the newspapers. Right. And so it was sort of buried. And so it wasn't like everybody panicking about it. Well, whereas this was front page news for, for ages. Right. Right. Um, yeah. And, and I mean, it's funny as well. It's beautiful. All the social change that is happening now, but at the same time, I talked to students who are like, this is so exciting. And it's earth shattering. It never happened before. And I'm like, I was raised in the sixties and seventies when it all happened. Mm. before yeah and it was an incomplete movement at that time and we're still struggling through it but yeah you know there's there's there is nothing new under the sun no exactly exactly you know i really feel for the kids who are who are in in school right now um who are who are trying to figure out both what how to how to do theater school in this but also uncertain about what the landscape is going to look like when they get out into the world i'm I hope none of them are listening. Um, and yeah, I hope they are. But um, yeah, it's a tragedy to, to, I have friends who just graduated students and they're now friends who have just graduated just before this all hit. And they're going, I finished my schooling. I want to start my career. There is no industry. And mm. it's, it's, it's an absurd dance for those who are in school now training to do something for which there is no industry. Yeah. Um, not saying there never will be, but um, and and it, like you said, is it it's it is exciting that we are exploring new online ways of communicating live performance. Um, I've got a Valentine's Day cabaret that I'm doing online, and hmm. it's uh, it's weird. Um, <laughs> I had huge emotional meltdowns over that. Like, oh my god, what is this thing? Um, but. Yeah, no, for for students in theater school, uh, it just must be surreal. Yeah, yeah, I I, I can only imagine. It's, yeah. it's, how do you even, how do you even compute? It's certainly like this thing that you wanted, that you want to do that you're studying and you don't know what it's going to look like. And even your teachers who you kind of look to to be like, what's the landscape look like when we get out of here? They, right now they can't tell you. 
We have no clue. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, those of us who came to professional age in the 80s, 90s, and 2000s, um, who are now the teachers, are going, that world has died and changed mm. so quickly mm. that where are we now? Yeah. 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 Now, working on your on your 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 Valentine's cabaret, uh, which is you know, being presented digitally, how does that how did that come about, and how how have what's been the process of of putting that together? Um, it's it sort of came about by accident. Um, uh, it's cabaret Mark Selby, who's a TV producer and pianist, piano man. Um, we've kind of done this cabaret for years in various forms. And uh, honestly, we were both sitting at home going, there's nothing to do, and everybody's at home, and here comes Valentine's Day, and even though we're sort of opening, we're still sort of stuck at home. And uh, I think, um, just sidebar to that, I think there's a new awareness of, societally, of people who cannot gather, people who... Uh, for their stage in life or for mobility issues, accessibility issues are simply not able to gather whom we haven't been aware of before, but we have been able to include in digital formats. Um, then we're also dealing with the simple accessibility, are things open or not? Uh, and then there's people like myself who, frankly, are I'm not in a rush to go sit in a crowd of strangers. Even if I know we're all vaccinated, um, mm. I, just, I have I have my own sort of weirdly developed social anxiety about that. So anyway, just sitting at home going, what can we do? And we thought, well, let's pull this out thing out. Let's throw it on film and let's share it with some with some theater companies and some community groups and and let them have access to it. And mm. uh, anybody listening, it's on my Facebook page, whatever. Um, but um, or there's a couple other places to check it out. But it's um, it really was just kind of it's. It's not about making money. It's just about sort of going, here's a little gift. This is something mm. we do, and hopefully you can enjoy it. I um, I found it very interesting when we, when everything shut down and we started going online that I saw two things happen. One was people who were excited about performing and excited about doing it in a new format, and there was sort of a very healthy approach to online um there was the other side that was the simple terror of isolation and the panic for attention and the desperation in performance online mm. and uh well talk about what i'm doing now but um which is sort of adjacent related but um to me that really shone a spotlight on uh, toxic elements in our business uh, of our our relationships as actors to as people to what we do mm. and then as what we do to the profession itself mm. um, so so i'm I'm hoping this this thing just came out of everybody's stuck at home for Valentine's Day. why don't we just throw it up there and if anybody wants to watch great you know yeah. just a little a little a little wave from the distance through a camera. <laughs> There's this interesting thing about, about, you know, quote unquote, digital theater. And I, I keep encountering 
some people who who they're just like, well, if it's digital, it's not theater, and they get very very upset and very angry about about the right. possibility. Right. I'm sitting here sort of in the same way as as you were describing about how, in many ways, broadcasting a show digitally, however you do it, opens uh, opens it up for people who 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 can't get to the theater, whether it's a uh, they have a, a disability or they they you know they're older, they're they have mobility issues, or even you know because it's a digital ticket, maybe it doesn't cost as much financial burdens as well. Yeah. Um, and also like the ability to see things where you're not proximity to, like there've been so many times I've heard about a show playing in Edmonton or in, 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 in Halifax. And I've thought I would love to be able to see that, but I, I'm not in a position to be able to travel there. It'd be great to be able to share that stuff too. One of the companies, I think it's musical stage company has been offering, we're going to London to see a show and it's online. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we're going to New York to see a show when it's online. And um, they weren't my hashtags, but I jumped on, uh, you know, accessibility for all mm -hmm. and cabaret for all and sort of beyond pay what you can in terms of pay what you can. But some situations where we did a show for Christmas and it was just by donation. If you, mm -hmm. if you watch it for free, great. If you wanted to give a donation, sure. Cool. Yeah. Um, but I think these are hugely important things. And no, is it literally theater? No, but is there, I mean, is there any shame in a new mode of performance? I'm sure people freaked out when Shakespeare moved indoors to sure. Blackfriars. Oh, this is lit by candlelight. It's not lit by the sun. It's <laughs> no longer a theater, you know? I mean, yeah. life, my mom used to say, life takes you by the tail and swings. So yeah. just go with it and see where you end up. Yeah. I feel like there's there's yeah. all these possibilities that 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 just sort of get opened up by digital and I just feel like it it doesn't doesn't have to be what some people are afraid of and that is that oh if we put it on film it's the death of theater. Some people sort of have this idea that like if we put it out if we put it on film or we put it on digital that nobody's going to ever see it again cuz they've quote unquote seen it. And yet you know people will buy a CD or they'll, you know, they'll listen to whatever yeah. music on Spotify. And just because they've heard it there doesn't mean that they don't then want to see it live. It doesn't preclude them from no. doing that. I, uh, oh, I had a great idea. You said <laughs> <laughs> no, it, um, there's a, oh, totally lost my train of thought. But because like right. you said CD and I'm going, you're showing your age because I I have a whole box full of CDs. I almost <laughs> I almost showed my age even further. I almost said record. Okay. Oh my god! Brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> um, um, where did you start with that though? It was it was, I mean, online is. Oh, okay. No, this is it. It's the absolutism that's coming mm, to the conversation mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that, that people are not able to hold right now. We're not able to hold two conflicting ideas as yeah. equally existing intention. Mm -hmm. You, you can just because something exists in a digital medium does not mean that theater no longer exists. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's this, it, it comes out in the same idea that if somebody wants 
more rights, i.e. basic human rights. Mm -hmm. That's going to take something away from me. No, it's not. The world is not a pie. Mm -hmm. Giving somebody a slice does not make your slice smaller. Yeah. It's right now we're in a state of just absolutism in our thinking. Mm -hmm. Whereas yes, something can be healthy for one and unhealthy for another, and they are not mutually exclusive and they are not, there is not a value system to judge one as better than the other. They are both just there. And that's how the world is. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, you know, I think about all of the shows that I've seen, you know, but it's the, fear. You know, Sorry, the, it's just just Japanese. It's yeah. all based in fear. Yes, what I yeah. know is gone. Oh, I can't hand, I can't accept anything new. Well, mm. I don't want to accept anything new either. But at the same time, it's just fear. I just think there's 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 so many more possibilities because, you know, I I mean, let's face it. We you know, if we know people who are a little younger, I know people who've watched shows that were illegally filmed on Broadway. And they've seen them on YouTube before they got taken down. But that doesn't mean that they're not going to like if they had if they have the chance, they're not going to go and see the show because no. they realize that, that, that what they saw is not the full experience. And yeah. so like putting stuff on on digital and, and like doing like a live stream, which is easier than people think from a live theater, by the way, and is oh, is just something that that like we can do and open ourselves up. I mean, we're complaining all the time about where our audience is going. Well, Let's expand the audience. The Metropolitan Opera did not close because they started showing operas in the movie theaters on mm-hmm. Sunday afternoons. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's just a thing. Yeah. It's, Absolutely. Yeah. No, it's, it's, I think it's a very exciting time. And, uh, but again, it's just being able to, but at the same time, uh, you know, it's it's uh, not-for-profit theaters will be able to open somewhat because they can have a 50% audience mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and still, with public support, be able to make their bottom line. Uh, commercial theater, a lot of it you simply cannot afford yeah. to do yeah. at 50%. Um, I have friends uh, waiting to start rehearsals for um, the Harry Potter at the Mervishes. And... Mm-hmm. and uh, you know, even including what what happened with the closing of Come From Away, it's yeah. you, you can't afford to keep a theater open no. at fifty percent when that is your full source. I, I yeah. Stratford has announced their full season, and they are a not for profit company, but they yeah. function largely. Don't quote me, Stratford, but as <laughs> in a commercial format, they they are mm. so dependent on audience for yeah for simply what they're presenting that um. And they don't get the government funding that they proportionately need for what they want to do. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, yeah. What's scary is we don't know. Yeah, I know. And that's that's the thing is 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 we have this, you know, it's hard enough to decide to try to figure out what's going to happen with a show mm-hmm. and to also have to worry about whether or not you're actually going to be able to perform it or or is there suddenly going to be a restriction on the number of people that can be in the, in the building? Right. And I, I have this thing. I remember in the fall, they were, you know, the, the, some shows were open and they were opening with like 50%. And then all of a sudden there was the no more restrictions. And they were like, we can do full house. And I thought, well, now I don't feel like I can go (laughs) because I don't know. And this is, 
because I feel like we need to ease into this, right? Like we've spent, it'll be two, it'll be, you know, two years around the time this comes out. We spent yeah. two years avoiding people. Yeah. And now I'm supposed to sit in a packed theater shoulder to shoulder with them as people, as they always do when the lights go down, cough around me. <laughs> That's exactly how it's what I salute Broadway for doing in saying everybody has to be vaccinated. Yeah. And I, and I think it, it, it's, I wish we could get this part of the question into the vaccine anti-vax conversation mm. simply to say, it's not about the reason you can't go to a restaurant unvaccinated is not because somebody's forcing you to be vaccinated. It's because the restaurant doesn't want the liability of someone becoming sick mm -hmm. while you are there, you becoming sick while you are there. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's avoidance of a lawsuit. It's where it's going to succeed is in, is in private business. Yeah. We're yeah. getting people that is just going, look, if you want to come in my store, yeah, you, I got to see that you're vaccinated. I'm not well, this gonna... is the thing is, is for so long, if you want to go to a store or you want to go to a mall, it was like no shoes, no shirt, no service. Right. Like this is not really that different. No, it's it's a risk. It's a quote unquote restriction. But it's it's, it's basically the store, the, the 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 business gets to say, OK, you're you don't meet this requirement. You can't come in. Exactly. Exactly. And and. um. I mean, another side of the conversation, too, is uh, aging myself. I remember when seatbelts came in as mandatory. Well, yeah. Yeah. And there were lots, like, of, lots of people in my dad's generation who were like, oh, they're death harnesses. It's better to be thrown clear. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, yeah. I'm not going to have anybody tell me where what I have to do in my car. Yeah. And, it's, and I mean, it's it's funny and sad with all the truckers going there are so many safety regulations for mm, truckers right they are restricted they are told when they have to sleep how long they're allowed to drive all of mm -hmm. that yeah that's you know and we all had to get rubella and polio to go to school we still yes do. exactly exactly you know? there's a and lot of ridiculousness other... about the whole thing but, but yeah but i think I mean... getting back to what you're saying before is i think this is opening up. i know people who are planning to do shows and to have live audiences and to have a digital format mm -hmm. for the same yeah. performance. Yeah. Which that, is great. That really excites me because, you know, it's, it's the thing I remember in, was it this it was July of 2020 when uh, the filmed version of Hamilton ended up on Disney plus. And I oh, watched wow. that and I was like, because, you know, I'd seen the show live and this was like, Oh, this is sort of live. Cause I get to hear the audience, but I can see, closer i could see more um but also like just hearing the audience was like oh yeah this is yeah. kind of what it's like to be in the room mm -hmm. and it's similar to to like a film performance like that just sort of like allows you to get a sense of what it's like in the room well it, and and uh i mean that's been a hard part of doing this valentine's cabaret is we yeah. have no audience so it's just, just me singing into the dark, hoping yeah. somewhere somebody has a reaction. I also know that that affected uh, the response to Diana. I mean, uh, sure, we can have a long talk about what that means, but um, that was that was a whole keg of worms. Um, but regardless, 
I remember performing the show live and mm. the audiences went nuts for it, but that's yeah. not present in the, in the digital version. And that's so, so hard to miss that, that piece script. of the puzzle. That's so difficult because there's something about like oh, anytime yeah. we've seen a, seen a filmed version of a stage production and like understanding like, oh yes, this is a really good piece, but then hearing how the audience reacts to it. Say for example, the filmed version of, uh, of, of, of Sweeney Todd and, and realizing how the song Joanna brings down the house and that sort of thing. You wouldn't get that if you didn't have the audience in the room. No, you, you, you uh, I don't know where I came across it, but um, good old damn Yankees. And there's Gwen yeah. Burden selling her soul and whatever Lola wants. And she finishes it. And then it kind of fades into the next scene and you go, Oh, Wah, wah, yeah. you know yeah um, yeah yeah it's but but there's somewhere new it could all go in a combination mm -hmm. of things yeah um but again people have to make a living and how do we pay people to do it but, well i mean I, I do think that, that that digital aspect does open an, a a stream of revenue that we didn't have before uh, like oh. a digital ticket is 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 an opportunity you know mm-hmm oh yeah now you mentioned hmm. you mentioned Diana. You mentioned like this this filmed version of of Diana, which is not right. what you would want it to do. You, you had you been you've been doing previews for the show when it closed we had, down. Or? We had done yeah. We were finishing our previews. The show was basically frozen, and right. and we were we were just running it to open. We, I think we started seeing we were going to get critics the next week. Right. So yeah. So filming it with no audience, that must have been a strange experience to have to go from knowing that show with an audience to presenting it and 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 not having an audience. I, uh, completely. First of all, it was it was um we did they the good thing was we did a number of runs of the show. We filmed a number of complete run-throughs. So so there was a flow and an energy to it. Mm. Um that we were able to recapture. But at the same time, all the seats in the orchestra had been torn out and it was, the theater was full of nine cameras blinking oh. at you. Mm. And um, there were no vaccines at the time, but we were in high COVID protocol. Sure. So everybody had been tested and isolated and retested and re-isolated. And when we gathered, uh, eventually only actors could take off their masks when on stage, they had to put masks back on backstage mm -hmm. and the poor dressers and that show, if you watch it is nothing but costume changes. Oh um, my God. The poor dressers were in full PPE gowns, gloves, Oh my God. Masks and plastic shields trying to, trying to dress the show. I mean, well, of course, uh, cause we knew nothing about the virus at that point. Nothing at all. Nothing at all. It was, it was just, it, it, we, you, they, they kept us in a hotel. We had to isolate in the hotel. As soon as we got back, everybody to their own private room, uh, our meals would be delivered. You would get your meal and you would sanitize your cutlery before eating your meal. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, everything was sanitized before, but you yeah. do it again. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was, a, but, but filming the show was, it was great to be with the people. It was great mm -hmm. to, you know, but again, also we were, all the singing was live, but because it was going to be remixed later, there was sort of a, it was basically a rhythm section accompaniment. Mm. It was, it, so it, it didn't feel the same. No. There's no way it mm. felt the same. Mm. And, uh, and it was funny. I, I didn't go back for it for the reopening. Uh, a lot of personal reasons and stuff, nothing to do with them, nothing to do with 
with any disagreement or anything like that. Just I didn't go back. Um, but uh, but they were getting an audience. They were getting it was mm. turning into a bit of a cult favorite that people had to see. Right. And people going to see it were going, okay, I get this now. It is it's a sassy attitude. I mean, it's two guys from New Jersey writing what they feel about Princess Diana. So <laughs> in the room, you got the feel for it. And people were really catching on. And then and then Omicron started and it just right. couldn't couldn't go. Yeah. You know? So that, that show closed down entirely. Is it one of the, the casualties on Broadway right now? Yeah. 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 It's it's and and I don't know, but I think there may be more casualties. I'm not sure before we get out of this. Yeah. 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 It said, I mean, it hasn't been as bleak as I was afraid, but no, no, but it's, it's, I know, I remember like when the first shows were opening on Broadway and seeing video of like that first performance of uh, Hades town as the cast came out and the audience jumped to their feet. I was, I was a little verklempt, but I was also like, look at all those people packed in so close together. I don't know how I feel about this. I, I was watching other movies, like just general <laughs> movies on TV, and you'd see yeah. a crowd scene, and I'd go, I don't, I feel uncomfortable. Yes, you know, yes. you see it, uh, you know, something, and it's shot in the mall, and people are walking around the mall, and I, I'm starting having anxiety and agita just seeing the crowd. Yeah, you know, yeah, because I mean, when we came back, it was I came back to Toronto and moved back in with my roommate, and another roommate moved in with us, and we were walking in and washing our vegetables and washing our groceries and wearing our masks. And, you know, it was, yeah, tensions were high about, you know, did you wash this? Can I touch it? Yes. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I mean, there's still, I mean, it's funny watching, you know, as I've, I've been, you know, in my day job, I mean, one of the people that can go into the office and I like going into the office. It gets me out of my small apartment. Um, but it's been interesting watching how, uh, say, for example, the subway gets more populated. And when I was first going into the office, if I took the subway, there were very few people and everybody wore their masks, right? right. Except occasionally there'd be like one person who had their mask on their chin or under their nose or whatever. And you just drive right. cars or whatever. Now there's more people. And more people not wearing their mask properly. And you sort of are like, do I get off? Do I wait for the next train? What, what do I do here? It's just, can I can just, how, how I mean, <laughs> it, it is weird to have something over your face, but nurses and doctors do it 24 hours a day. Yes. Do yeah. you not notice that your mask is now below your nostrils? Yeah. Does that, is that of no concern to you? I, 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 I mean, and also I just want to run around screaming at the world. There's a little metal bendy thing you can pinch that will hold it yes, off your nose. Yes. No, I, I see I have so many of them with thing. the sort of. Yeah, I just, I just want to say, like, yeah. you know, I, I see people, and I like, um, you just like at this point, how can you not know? Yeah, how can you not know? Yeah, and, <laughs> and do you not care about? Yeah. Not only, well, I mean, it's, it's, it's all about us right now. It's all about my needs and how I feel and my safety and my rights and my stuff. It's not about caring about your neighbor. It's not about, but do you not care about not only your health, but the health of your grandma at home, Yeah, yeah. you know, or the health of your brother or sister who may have some, 
respiratory immunocompromisation, something, yeah. you know, yeah. even just, you know, Aunt Sally gets bad bronchitis. Well, maybe don't invite her to the party or if yeah. you do wear your mask. Yeah. You know, absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, yeah. Oh, I'm turning no, I know. Again, we can, the soapbox is, it's like right here. I could get up <laughs> on it. Right I could here. Just, I'm like, hopping I could, up on that. I just stand yeah. on it. I could go, but I, you know, yeah. that's a different podcast. Um, well, it's also, we, this could be over with. Oh, I know. If we all freaking stayed home for 10 days, I know it would be gone. Yeah. No, I know. And I had that, that feeling like at the beginning, it was like, if we all just do this thing, everything will be fine. And then there were too many exemptions and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. And just like, ultimately, we're just and like I, still installed. And I have beloved anti-maskers and anti-vaxxers in my family. And it's just, okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I, yeah. you know. You still love them, <laughs> even though you want to slap them with a wet fish. Come on. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Snap out of it. Yeah. yeah. I would like to yeah. take a second and sort of direct the conversation sure. a little bit towards, um, I always like to talk to people about their theater origin stories. And so um, oh. for you, as, a, as somebody who was, who was born in, in Seattle, who mm -hmm. found their way, I think, to Vancouver, yeah. What was it that drew you that started you on the path to theater and, and, and what was that inciting incident? Let's say. Um, it's a really glamorous story. I, I, when I was working at Stratford, so many actors, you would talk to you would say, well, I saw so-and-so in their great production of Hamlet and that made me want to be an actor for me. Um, it was watching Batman on television in the sixties <laughs> uh, and uh, well, maybe more Batgirl. I'm not sure. Uh -huh, um, uh -huh. yeah. But um, watching that, and when my mom explained that Batman wasn't really Batman, but was a man pretending to be him, and I thought you can do this for a living, that blew my mind. <laughs> and then I also discovered that. Um, I, I grew up in a very loving, caring, smart bunch of people, but very strong personalities. And I was the oddball. Um, but I found I could fit in when I performed. And mm. so for me, making the connection that, oh, people like me when I do this mm. and I can do this as a living. Um that's I was very young when I decided mm. I want to be an actor. And uh, I, I made that connect. And I, I got to be honest, it's something I'm looking at now because right now I'm studying multicultural psychotherapy and multicultural spiritual care. Um, bit of a career shift change thing going on. Um, but it wasn't a hugely healthy connection to the industry. Mm. Um but it also was a very passionate connection. And then you meet, I, I met the other theater weirdos and went, mm. oh, here's a, you know, I'm not the only misfit toy on the island. <laughs> um, and, and, and also it was a way of learning to understand. I mean, it, the, the initial was Batman's cool. Well, Batgirl's <laughs> cool. And, um, I, seriously, kicking people in those little two-inch kitten heels, that was the hottest thing in the world. Um, that, that's fun. I can do that. Oh, performing people like me when I do it, that's great. And then it deepens, and you go into 
I get to explore what other people's lives experiences are, you know, aspects of the human condition I would never come in contact with anywhere else. Um, and then how to do that with respect and intention and mm. presence. And um, so, yeah, that's what Bat- Batman and, and a need for acceptance and, and love drew me in. Do you think that your, your introverted aspect uh, played a part in, 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 in sort of like going towards, Oh, when I perform there, that, that people like that. I uh, huge bit. And what mm. it also meant is that I could express things that I could not express at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could, uh, I could be vulnerable. I could be brave. I could be um, any, I could experience everything in the world when I was somebody else. Mm-hmm. And, and I knew I had that inside me and finding a character through which I can express this um was just huge. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it was it was much later in life I played the cowardly lion in the Wizard of Oz and just fell in love with him for how how terrified and brave he was. Mm-hmm. Because you can't I, it's the first time, you know, lady in life learning that bravery does not exist without fear. Yeah, yeah. We have this image of bravery as, as strength and and toxic masculinity and this is what it is to be brave. You're not brave if you're not afraid. Yeah. You're just yeah. loud. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and obnoxious, you know. Yeah. Just just being loud is not being brave. You yeah. you're only brave when you're going I'm doing this despite the fact. I mean it's the old uh I'm going to misquote her. May she rest in peace, Carrie Fisher. Mm. Um, you know, be afraid, but do it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's that aspect of, of being a performer and an introvert that I think, I don't think I recognized this as a child because I was an introverted child as well. But when I was performing, it was a moment when I knew I was in control. Huge aspect of it. Yeah if I'm in a conversation or if I'm at a party or whatever, I mean, if I'm around a group of a, lar- a group of people and I am not performing, I don't know what's going to happen. And I, I don't know, I don't know how to interact with them. I don't, there's so many, so many things that I don't know, but as soon as I'm performing, I am in control of this situation. I hate parties. <laughs> I love interacting with people. I like going for dinner with a group of friends. I like I, that sort of thing. But mm. a party to me is just, a nightmare of terrifyingism and and i very early on uh i can't remember there's a million names for it but the the quiet exit where you just disappear yeah and don't say goodbye to the host and don't say goodbye to anybody and you're just gone um i've done that my whole life and i and i know yeah. friendships have suffered because of it and it's and yet now i'm able to say being at a party i i don't know how to interact with somebody for mm. five seconds over the cheese dip Yes. Yes. I I can't do that. And and it's not enjoyable for me. And I don't think it's pleasant Mm. for them. So please just let me go home and call me and let's go for coffee. You know? Yeah. I have this thing. So the, the, you know, there's many names for like, it's, I think a lot of, a lot of people know it as the Irish goodbye. Um, I've become quite the proponent of the Irish goodbye. Um, and what I do, really? my trick at showing up at a party, first off, to get myself in the door, I have to promise like 15 minutes 
Like, Sorry, you cut out there for a second. I, I, I promise myself that I will stay for 15 minutes. That's my, like, oh, if you could just cool. stay for 15 minutes, you'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I go to my host yeah. and I say, hello, I don't know how long I can stay. There's a thing. And Great. then when I'm done, yeah. when I've, I've reached the end of my, of my, of my tolerance, I just go, I don't say goodbye to anybody. I grab my coat and I go. Right. And usually they don't notice that I did that. And if they did, they were like, well, he did say that he had to go early. Right. Can I just ask you though? Yeah. Do you, how wonderful that first breath of fresh air is when you step out on the street. Oh after. my God. It's so wonderful. It's so Gorgeous. wonderful when, when like you, when you've hit your tolerance level, like your, your, that limit for like being in that room and you go yeah. outside, you're in the elevator, you're in the stairwell and you go outside and the, the air hits you and you're like, yeah, that's it. Oh, it's the deepest breath and it's so, it just tastes so good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's no reflection on the people at the party and the fun no. they're having. Not no. at all. No. No. It's uh... has 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 your introvert because you know I mean for me when I was I remember when I when I first graduated from theater back in when I graduated from theater school um I I um. I remember I for that. <laughs> getting it in my head that, that like going to like industry parties and schmoozing was an important thing. Um, and I realized very, very quickly that I, number one, hated it. And number two, I was no good at it. Um, but, you know, there's always like there's always an event where there's some kind of party or something like that. And you have to go to it, especially if you're in the show. How right. do you have you dealt with the those sort of like industry obligatory parties that we all have to go to at some point? Um, first of all, in general, the, I, I have not gone and I know my career has suffered because of it. Hmm. I don't, I don't know what other people are thinking. I have suppositions, ideas, but I know people who went to all the industry parties and went to all the stuff. And I know for some of them, it did make their careers better and for some it hmm. didn't, but I have a feeling that just my not doing that kind of stuff did hmm. affect me. Yeah. Um, however, sorry, flip side of that. Um, when it's something like if I'm doing a show at a theater and there is a donor event and I am there to schmooze and direct the person to the donors to cinch the deal. If I have a task that yes. I can do, yeah, yeah, that I can do, but just to be seen and talk to the people and say hello and all that, um, it, it, I'm no good at it. It scares the crap out of me. Um, I'm less afraid now if I'm interested in working with somebody, I'll just call them or I'll email or I'll go say hi. Yeah. That's a different thing. But but going to an event to make a connection, just never going to happen. Yeah. No, I, I, used to, I used to have a thing and, and it was so hard for me talking to the people. Like you do a show and you're just trying to get out. Right? You just try, you're like, okay, I just want to go home and you walk out and there's people who want a moment of your time and they want to talk to you. They want to tell you how good you are or whatever it is. And I used to be like literal deer in the headlights. Like people would be there and be like, and I'd be so awkward and weird. And I would just be like, I just, I need to get out of here. Um, and just sort of like bolt, like the gazelle is running from the lions or whatever. And it was just like this, this weird thing. And then I came to the, realization that that's still part of the job is dealing with the people to some extent. And so I taught myself and I, 
it's like I practiced uh, how to say thank you and make it sound sincere. And now I just do it, but I say the same thing. But at least I'm not like deer in the headlights. I can like look them in the eye and say thank you. And and it it's 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 a little bit less awkward than it once was. I, I, a similar journey, except I always loved it because I was so in desperate need of approval and attention mm. that for me it was just, okay, this is why I'm doing this and this is this is an affirmation I desperately need. That has changed and I don't mm. need that anymore. Um, and for me it changed to, yes, it is part of the job, but it's also part of education i don't mm. always tell people what they want to hear at the stage door mm. like mm -hmm. i will tell them how hard it is and what you know what's involved and whatever sort of you know letting them behind the curtain or whatever um but I, my whole relationship with acting has changed that way mm. that for so long it was about it was about the work but also that the work had a carrot at the end of it Hmm. Now, now that carrot is entirely different. It's it's not about approval. Hmm. Um, applause is nice, but it it's not about the applause. Hmm. Um, so yeah, my whole relationship with with work and how how I want to do it is is entirely different. How did that, how did that, that, that process happen? Is it a disillusionment or is it just a maturity that came from doing it for, for, for as long as you've done it? Um, I mean, the, the, the resulting lack of, um, lack of intensity about it all has felt like disillusionment, but it's taken me a long time to process that actually it is simply a maturing I think I think if I'm going to work now, it's going to be on something that that I want to spend that kind of time on for its own sake. Um, but 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 yeah, I, but do I, I? I don't have the same passion for mm. the craft, or and certainly not for the. Oh, lately I've been in a couple of, like, not recently lately, but in the last few years. Um, remember when we used to do this full time? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, remember when um, I was in a couple of rehearsal periods where you're in rehearsals and the work is great. And then you're in the green room chatting between scenes or whatever. And everybody's talking about who's doing what in the industry and who's got auditions happening. And have you seen that? And is this happening? Mm. Did you get your photo into so-and-so and whatever? And my chest, it just makes me want to barf. I, I don't know what it is. There's something for me that is just so aggressively toxic about the, the schmooze and the, yeah. and the, and the desperateness. For, am I current? Am I, am I doing it? It's just like, I don't want that anymore. I don't yeah. want that to be, you know, it's just not worth it. It's certainly very like I was just as you were describing it. I was like, well, that's part of the toxic as aspect of the industry. Oh, that's yeah. that's um, man. That's just one of those things that like to me, I think I never sure if that's part of the introverted part of me, but I was like, that's gross. I don't like that. Um, but it is part of that that fear 
based toxicity that sort of like underlies a lot of the industry, which is one of those things that I wish we could address and come to terms with, because I do think it's one of the things that that erodes people's passion in the industry and erodes yeah. their desire to be a part of it. But I think it's going to take a lot of personal reflection and self-regulation. English is going to take a lot of personal reflection and self-regulation on the part of actors in terms of why am I doing this work? What, mm -hmm. what, what is feeding me in this process? Right. Um, so many of us get all of our sense of self from what we do. Hmm. And, and I'm always shocked to ask an actor, so what's your hobby? And they're like, I love to read plays. And I love to, no, 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 that's hmm. your job. Yeah. What is your hobby? Do you knit? Do you go fly fishing? Do you hike? You know, are you, are you using public space for gardening? Are you, do you, you know, or if you read, is it secretly all science? Or are you taking hmm. a course in a new language? What, where is your life outside of what we do? Hmm. And 90% of actors don't have one. Right. They're working at getting work and then they're doing the work and they're working. And part of it is the nature of the industry. Yeah. But at the other point, it's like when the lights are off and this, this whole pandemic shutdown has forced a lot of people to reflect, myself included, on why am I doing this? Yeah. And is it healthy for me to do this? And what is my life if I'm not acting? Yeah. I, I, I recently, I'm looking at doing offerings for courses uh, and uh, just coachings and stuff um, and a couple of workshops, but um, putting it out there, putting out a, a, a just a little survey monkey quiz of what people want to study or how are they feeling and anxious came back as the first thing mm. and isolated and lost yeah. and confused. These, these very deep emotions of that to me say somebody's sitting at home and if they're not going to auditions and, or they're not working, they're not sure who they are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was thinking like uh, just around, you know, the time that theaters were, had been shut down for a couple of months, a lot of people that I used to, that I knew in the industry uh, who were the kind of people they were just going constantly. Like you saw them at everything, oh, every yeah. time, you, every kind of event, every kind of networking, every kind of everything there they were. Those bastards. Yes. No, I love and, them. <laughs> and, you know, they, so they were always working at something. Right. But again, much like, like you were saying, like now they were in a forced situation to try to contend with like, so who am I when I'm not doing those sorts of things? And how yeah. important is self-care how important is it that I have something outside of this? And I do hope that's a lesson that people take away from, from this pause in theater that, that these are important things for us to have is, is hobbies and, and, and a life outside of this industry. Totally. And I, I mean, even so many actors look at my fitness regime is part of my self-care. Well, mm. if you're only doing a fitness regime so that you're fit for auditions for, whatever you're trying to sell and now you're just working out to are you actually doing it for yourself for care mm -hmm. of self mm -hmm. or is this again part of this i have to make myself better so that i'm employable and i'm like it, it's a very fine line between an action that is self-care and an action that is actually 
you don't have a good relationship with them. Yeah. Yeah. Are you still studying uh, pastoral studies? Uh, I am. It is it is a master of pastoral studies, which sounds a bit deceptive. I'm not going <laughs> to be a pastor. Um, that's not that's not my calling. Personally, um, I just have to say I've, that might be a loss. But go ahead. <laughs> I, I, part of me thinks I could be good at it, but the other part of it is there's too many books involved that are, that are <laughs> full of stuff that I'm not sure I feel about. Um, but um, I, it's 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 a program that involves. Uh, Psychotherapy training, uh, which has a big multicultural aspect to it, as in you can offer presence to anyone, wherever they come from, whatever their experience. Uh, and there is actually, um, oh, what do you call it? There's a there's a medical word for it when you do a study, and it's um, clinically, oh, shows, empirically shows that mm -hmm. people seeking mental health care if they have some kind of belief system which is not in fact harming them but is actually healthy for them involving that in their care can help them recover faster hmm. so there is a a multi-faith spiritual care emphasis in this as well so um so yeah and 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 a lot of my interest is is Someday I want to write a book. Why we mm. perform? Why yeah. do we do this to ourselves? Mm. Um, and I don't only want to, uh, you know, offer presents for just actors, but but I think there is something unique I could offer in that respect because, and I'm bringing it into my my classes and workshops, where where what is your relationship with yourself mm. before you enter an audition or I, I often ask student actors, I go, what do you want from the audition? Mm. And they say, I want to show my skill set. I want them to see my talent. I want them to like me. I mm. want to get the part. None of those are things we have any control over in an audition. Yeah. So getting them to go, you're going in there in, and I want to give 110%. Well, if you wake up in the morning and you're 40% of yourself, mm. And you go in and try to give 110% of yourself, you're going to look psychotic. Mm -hmm. So how do you go in and give the best 45% of yourself? You'll do better work. And how do you do the work so that when you leave the audition, you go, I did what I wanted. I went in, I told the story, I hit the moment of change. I accomplished my monologue. Mm. A, your work will be better and they will see it. So your talent will be evident. Your skill will be evident. You will have a task that isn't obsessively tied into them. And you will have, you'll be able to leave that room going, well, I'd love to get the part, but I at least did what I said in there, went in there to accomplish. That was mm. actually an accomplishable task. That sort of leans so, into that, that, that less toxic thing. Like just to think about the things that you can control in the audition. Um, so and what do you want us, from it? Yeah. yeah. We, we go in there going, you know, basically we're screaming, mommy, mommy, like me, hug me. Mm. And, 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 you know, daddy, give me a reward. Give me the prize. <laughs> it's like, that's, that's, that's yeah. not a really healthy attitude to your work and yourself. Mostly no. for yourself. I have this. And, this and I say this of, just simply because I've beaten the yeah. crap out of myself for so yeah. many years over it. Oh, Sorry. Oh, you've got uh, a theory. What? I think we all have. I mean, one of the things I've been thinking for a while about like, uh, uh, you know, how to have a non-toxic rehearsal room. 
And um, first, you know, that starts with the director. Obviously, that's that's a big part of totally. that. Um, but like the the idea of of discussing is similar to like, what do you want from the, the audition? Like having like the everybody talk about what they need from this production. What do they need from rehearsals? What do they need from from the 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 production as a whole? Yeah. Um, talking about like if somebody is like, I'm an introvert. I love you guys. I can't go out after the show. Occasionally, maybe I will, but I'm not going to to any big drinking nights or to to somebody who has anxiety being able to to comfortably admit to their anxiety and say, this is what I need from you guys if I have totally. a lot of anxiety. And to to create a room that that everybody has a, been able to voice what they need. And, and that'll bring everybody closer together and we can take care of each other a little more. And to, to acknowledge what we can't accomplish in the rehearsal room. Mm, yeah. I, I, you have that need. We can't provide that. Mm-hmm. We can help you find an access to it elsewhere, but also that's a, that's a personal, that's a self-regulation thing. Mm. That's a something you're going to have to deal with alone. We're all here as friends to support you through that. Yeah. But, but, but also what is our relationship to the work? Is it, Yeah. so many actors are about, I need to feel the emotions or so many actors still work separately in bubbles. Um, yeah. I worked at a famous theater festival where people would come in at the beginning of rehearsal having prepared their role and they were ready to present their role of Madame X because Mm. they had rehearsed it and prepared it. And there was no, nothing transpired in the room at all. Mm. You know, what are, what are we doing in the scene? What are, what are we trying to get from what happens in the scene? What has to happen that has nothing to do with how I feel as an actor? Like character X enters the scene for a reason so that Y can happen and we can move on to the next scene. Mm. It has nothing to do with how you feel as an actor. We have to accomplish that task. Yeah. Yeah. I remember being in theater school and, and, and uh, one of the very early lessons that, that, that wasn't directed at me, but it was like, it sort of, I think it hit a bunch of people in my class, like a ton of bricks was somebody was like, I'm just not feeling the emotion in this scene. And, and the director or teacher said, well, it doesn't really matter if you're feeling it. <laughs> exactly. That I didn't get for decades. Yeah. That I didn't. Get. And then finally I went, no, it really, it, doesn't matter what you're feeling it's Mm. what the audience is going to feel from what they see yeah and uh and great if you can feel along but you're gonna do that to yourself eight times a week what kind of self-care is that that's the thing is like you know i was talking with uh, uh an intimacy director a while back we were talking about how you know your body doesn't know that the emotions are made up oh wow totally (laughs) <laughs> that's well, I'm going to use that. That's brilliant. Yeah. yeah. So every time you're going through, every time you fall in love on stage, and this is why we have this, this thing we don't talk about in theater bleed as our emotions. Yes. The theater bleeds into the real life and all that sort of stuff. It's why showmances happen that like our body doesn't know the difference. Our body doesn't know that this is acting. No, it just reacts to it. And so we need to find ways to, to enter the rehearsal, but also to exit the rehearsal and do something with these things that we've dredged up and felt. And because otherwise 
our body is just going to go with like, oh, this is what I'm feeling now. I fell into that by accident. I was doing a production of Cabaret playing the MC, which is not what I would usually be cast as. <laughs> it was a, and it was a great chance to just screw with the audience's mind. They're expecting Joel Gray or Alan mm-hmm. Cumming and out comes this large beast. And they're like, <laughs> I had, Oh, I had so many people come up after and go, oh, you came on stage and you were so fat. We thought you were going to be awful, but you were really good. Oh, oh God bless him. But doing the show was so hard one day before the show, I thought, oh, I'm a little late. I'm going to have a shower just to freshen up. Did that, did the show, came off stage and went, oh, I kind of sh- want to wash the show off. And I had a shower afterwards. And then it became a ritual of mm. literally st- washing myself of my life to get into the show and then washing myself of the show so I could go back into my life. And I don't think we implement that practice enough. There's that. No. You know, I see kids running out of a Broadway theater going, yeah, we're off to the bar. We're having a good time. Blah, blah, blah. I'm off to this or that and the other. And it's like, do you want to just take a second and go, we all just got hit by a bus. Let's yeah. just stop, breathe. Now, go have a great time. But yeah. but 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 define the, the boundaries between yourself and the work. Yeah. You know? I think that can start in rehearsal. If you can like do that, some uh, some kind of thing like that in rehearsal, maybe people take that into the performance as well. But I think also you can encourage it, but you can't make people do it. No, you can't make people do it. Yeah. But um, I know we did. Uh, uh, I was rehearsing for another piece and we had an indigenous director and uh, and we did at the start of the day, we, we smudged at the start of the day to just say what we're thankful for and also to wash off the world before we entered the work. Hmm. Uh, we didn't have, I don't think we had a closing of day process, but it's, it's, you know, with, without appropriating the indigenous practice, it's something I, I thought again, I would love to have use as a director to just go, hmm. we're stepping into the space, particularly if it's a challenging piece to yeah. step into the space and, and have it, be a little sacred, a little special, or just acknowledge that it's different. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Bruce, the thank you. Pre- oh, sorry. Sorry. Just like, just like, cause no. we're almost at the hour. I didn't want to keep no, you more than, no, more than good. an hour. So I wanted to, to thank you for, for this time. And, and it's been a delight talking with you. Oh, it's been a delight talking with you too. 